Ladies and gentlemen, people of the internet, welcome back to yet another episode of Crypto Over Coffee. Hope you're doing well today. And if you're new here, every Saturday, we break down the latest news and the hottest topics in the world of technology and cryptocurrency over a cup of delicious coffee. Now, that being said, in today's episode, I'm talking about the Elon Musk destruction of the crypto markets, Binance, Cardano's all-time highs, an extra special 404 Logic Not Found segment, and more. So make sure you stick around for all the updates. And by the way, if you aren't already, please make my day and subscribe to the channel or follow the podcast and hit the notification button so you get a little nudge when I post new episodes of Crypto Over Coffee across all the platforms where it lives. Now, normally in Crypto Over Coffee, this is the part where we kick things off with questions from the community, but because of unseasonably low levels of logic in the crypto space right now, we're going to do an extra crispy 404 logic not found mega special yes i said crispy on purpose that will surely go very nicely with a cup of hot coffee that you hopefully do not pour on your computer like i normally do when i'm doing q a so just a friendly reminder please be aware of scammers that are in the comments posing as me i do not have a whatsapp account i will not ask you to contact me so make sure that the comment is highlighted has a name highlighted or it is a fake hashoshi trying to scam you so please be careful so here we go folks it is 404 Logic Not Found time, and for those of you who are as of yet uninitiated in this little firecracker of a segment, I highlight notable tech-related fails, bad takes, and stupid moves that need to get some attention. So let's start with the most egregious of the two of the day, the whole Elon Musk saga from this week, which actually is a two-sided illogical conundrum. Now, as you may well know, a while ago, Tesla announced that it would accept Bitcoin as a payment method for its cars, and of course, the internet exploded with excitement. In reality, the excitement was really based off of novelty only because very few people would actually trade a long-term hard asset for a rapidly depreciating vehicle. But hey, I get it. Elon Musk is a larger-than-life figure. It's He's someone that many people look up to as a technology pioneer. So his purported belief in Bitcoin was, of course, highly regarded. Now, fast forward to this past week and an absolute chaos ensued after Elon Musk tweeted a note stating that Tesla would be removing Bitcoin as a payment method because of concerns about its environmental impact due to coal-burning energy usage in the process of mining on the network. This simple act drove the price of Bitcoin down more than 10% as people panicked at the thought of Elon Musk turning his back on Bitcoin. Now, there are two distinct illogical things going on here. And the first of those would be the chain reaction to this news amongst the community. A large proportion of people clearly immediately sold their Bitcoin upon this news breaking, which is indicative of just how many people that own Bitcoin don't really have the same conviction in its long-term value as they might imply they do, because they would sell at a loss in the face of this rather irrelevant news. More on that in a second. But you also have a whole group of people who think it's helpful to then personally attack Elon Musk and Tesla, further delegitimizing the Bitcoin and crypto community as a bunch of angry children. Now listen, I completely understand that this news must be angering. And, and don't worry, Elon Musk is going to get his 404 logic not found treatment here in just a second. But panic selling or personally attacking Tesla and Elon Musk are arguably the two worst reactions to this news that could possibly have been done. And this news means absolutely nothing, folks. Nothing. I would bet that no more than a handful of people actually would buy a car with Bitcoin, and its acceptance as a payment method for vehicles matters very little. 
Now, in his actual statement, Elon Musk mentioned that Tesla is not selling Bitcoin from their balance sheet and plans to use it when I quote, shifts towards more renewable energy. That is within their rights to do. Tesla at this point does not have plans to drop Bitcoin from their balance sheet, at least so it seems, and that is also good. So really, what changed after this happened? Really nothing. Nothing has changed with this statement in regards to Bitcoin. Overreacting to one guy or one company like this is one easy way to get distracted from the reality of the long-term prospects of Bitcoin, to push you to react angrily, to potentially push you to sell at a loss, and that is a 404 logic not found. Now, Elon Musk, of course, is not absolved of all guilt here because the whole way that this was gone about, the whole way it was handled, was probably the dumbest possible way in which it could have been done. The vacuous PR speak statement that Elon Musk tweeted was completely lacking in data points to support the claims it was making, and it was clearly a decision that was made by the public company leadership, the brass, rather than something that was really well thought out, at least in my opinion. Of course, Elon should have known that him conducting it this way would have sent the markets into a frenzy, and that is simply irresponsible. Secondly, his continued follow-up on the prior statement after seeing the destruction in the market by doubling down on the weak climate impact argument, and then, of course, talking about working with Dogecoin, another proof-of-work network, to make it more climate-friendly, is candidly offensive. So let's remember that there aren't any Dogecoin developers, really, so Elon might be implying that he's going to dust off his mechanical keyboard and start plugging away some code on his own for this whole thing with Dogecoin. But jokes aside, to be honest, this is just another instance where Elon Musk has overplayed something really badly, and it's clear that he made a poor decision to adopt Bitcoin as a payment method in the first place, seemingly failing to understand or... Uh, predict the very clear PR nightmare that it was going to bring, juxtaposing a green company against what the media constantly demonizes as the worst thing since the Industrial Revolution for climate change in Bitcoin. I've given my thoughts on the Bitcoin climate thing many times, so I won't rehash that here. But regardless of that, Elon Musk totally blew this whole thing. Every possible thing that could have been done or said to maximize the chaos was exactly what was done. And that is, of course, a 404 logic not found. Now, I also want to continue this 404 Logic Not Found segment because, no, we are not fully done here. We've got something else here. There's a, there's a mega special for 404 Logic Not Found, and, and that's what you're going to get. Now, the proverbial top bun on our 404 Logic Not Found sandwich is none other than the Shiba coin catastrophe that preceded this Elon Musk saga. Now, long story short, the meme coin Shiba that had been garnering big time attention and investment on Ethereum had early on in their launch sent an insane amount of tokens to Vitalik Buterin, one of the creators of Ethereum, something to the tune of 50% of the supply. Now, right there, anyone looking at Shiba with any reason should have run far, far away. But I get why someone would want to get in on it, given the Dogecoin situation, how people are being made millionaires overnight virtually. Now, the Shiba community had been using Vitalik's standing in the community to hype up the coin, and it, got, it garnered tons and tons of investment and activity, which actually drove gas fees on the Ethereum network to levels that were just untenable. Now, all of a sudden, Vitalik's huge stack of Shiba began to move from Uniswap, where it had been acting as liquidity. And then news broke that Vitalik had converted to ETH and put over a billion dollars, billion with a B, into a charity pool for India's COVID relief. Now, don't get me wrong, Vitalik did a really good deed here, and it was in his rights to do so, but he also caused a chain reaction that really no one wanted, and it had negative side effects. 
At this point, madness ensued because Shiba tanked in value, liquidity dried up, people could not get out. All in all, not good. Now, there are two sides to the story, and I realize I've been a bit harsh on people for their involvement in Shiba before. I apologize. I feel immensely bad for those who got hurt here, and I don't wish that experience on anyone. It's like getting rug pulled. Vitalik does, in fact, own some ethical baggage here because he should have known that this would hurt a lot of people. No matter how good a cause he was donating to, pulling a big move like that destroyed the value of Shiba. However, that being said, the majority of the blame, in my opinion, must go to the Shiba team, who willingly gave a majority of supply of the token to a third party up front. That is just bad practice. You cannot control anyone but yourself, and so breaking that tokenomics rule of thumb is bad and a very bad idea that puts your holders at risk. Now, if you want to use someone's clout and name and recognition as a tool to grow your token, just know the risks and be clear about those risks to the community up front. I also have to say, I hope this is a lesson for folks who invest in these meme coins. You can make a lot of money on them if you get the timing right. But money does not come from nowhere. When you make money on the coin, there are many people who are left holding the bag when everything sort of deflates. I don't wish that upon anyone, like I've said. So please just be careful out there. But for Vitalik and the Shiba team, I must present them with a 404 logic not found. And uh, yeah, that was a particularly fun one, folks. There was lots of illogical stuff going on. So I want to ask you, would you be interested in a standalone 404 logic not found show on the channel? If so, let me know in the comments down below. Now, it goes without saying, folks, that we are going to start off the news with Bitcoin price analysis, as is tradition. But it's actually really easy analysis right now because it comes as no surprise that this week has been a complete mess. Given our discussions in our super extra crispy 404 Logic Not Found special, we saw there was a lot of chaos going on, right? Prices went down as low as 48K in the wake of the plethora of drama this week. Then prices rebounded briefly back over 50K, but of course met resistance at that threshold and was held at the upper 40Ks at the turn of the weekend. Here we sit at 48K. It remains to be seen what will happen from here, but I would expect a fairly rough next couple of weeks. So please brace yourselves. Now, in other news, I've been following the development of Ethereum 2.0 pretty closely, and I saw something that I think is pretty cool that warranted an update here in Crypto Over Coffee because it's been a while. Now, as you may know, the pressure has been on Ethereum's core dev community lately with skyrocketing gas fees and congestion on the network. It's producing a lot of angry people wondering where the long-promised scalable Ethereum 2.0 is. Now, in light of that, a somewhat new plan has been hatched to get Ethereum 2.0 up and running faster, which includes expediting the merger between Ethereum 1.0, the one we use today, and 2.0, the brand new proof of stake network that is right now sort of in in ghost mode, you know, running on the side. Now, this would effectively allow Ethereum 2.0 clients or in effect software to run the core consensus layer with proof of stake, but let the existing Ethereum 1.0 clients that we use today handle the execution of decentralized application logic and of course standard transactions with a faster time to market. So this would expedite the whole process. Now, this new plan, dubbed Rayonism, is much different than the original plan for moving to Ethereum 2.0 and then sunsetting or gradually shutting down the Ethereum 1.0 network as we know it. However, 
In light of the urgency for this more scalable Ethereum 2.0 network, the Ethereum community developers have been convening a hackathon called Scaling Ethereum to experiment and find solutions for this merger plan. And recently, the conclusion of the event showed significant progress in achieving that merger where Ethereum 1.0 clients and 2.0 clients can run together to create one network. A few documented tests showed networks using both Ethereum 1.0 and 2.0 clients running together post-merge, which proves the concept for this bold new plan. Now, what does this actually mean in practice? Well, it means that optimistic estimates could see Ethereum 2.0 effectively launch as early as the end of this year or early next year, giving much needed scalability to Ethereum users and developers alike. Now, this would be a significant compression to the original proposed timeline for a sort of DAP-ready Ethereum 2.0. So more on this to come. It's rapidly changing day by day, if not weekly. So that's the update for now. Now, Cardano fans are celebrating this week despite the overall red markets. Cardano's ADA cryptocurrency has broken a new all-time high with prices that I saw at least before recording this reaching peaks of $2.30 US. Now, this price movement in a largely ugly market has, of course, amplified the angry criticism towards Cardano from other communities because the blockchain does not yet have smart contracts and the release of said smart contract functionality has been long forthcoming. I understand. However, let me put it this way. Cardano itself was built on a largely novel architecture where little was borrowed or repurposed from elsewhere. This from scratch approach basically means that things take a long time. And in addition to the over brandished peer reviewed buzzword, I actually really don't like it anymore. It adds even more time to the development process. I get peer reviews are good. Formally verification, formal verification, excuse me, is good. But Anyways, remember, the market is driven both by what is and what people believe will be. Excitement for the culmination of five plus years of work for Cardano is driving this price movement. And that is not a unique phenomenon to Cardano. For example, the anticipation of EIP 1559 and Ethereum 2.0 has driven Ether's price to levels that one could argue are misrepresentative of its broad usability due to congestion and fees. Ethereum has achieved a lot and I love the project still. I use it all the time. Don't get me wrong. I'm one of those who believes in it long-term in tandem with Cardano, but sometimes you may not fully agree with the current state valuation, but you can also understand where the excitement and speculation is coming from. That is the case today for both Cardano, Ethereum, and many other cryptocurrencies, so I think people should tamp down the hatred just a little bit. Now, in the world of privacy tech, I wanted to give everyone some information about Oasis Labs. I've been meaning to do this for a while. I'm doing it now. The Oasis Labs team has built a pretty impressive suite of Oasis branded components. So the Oasis network itself is a project that has developed both a layer one blockchain network and a set of privacy preserving computation tools that enable developers to create rich and highly functional applications with privacy and data protection at the core. Now, this team, which is led by someone named Don Song, who's a well-known professor at UC Berkeley, an expert in computer security, artificial intelligence, etc., envisioned this new paradigm in which people have full control of their data without compromising their ability to monetize it and gain value from it in the form of applications. So this layer one blockchain network itself is notable for its paratime layer, paratime, which allows transactions and processes to operate and occur in parallel. So this mechanism is somewhat similar to the concept of sharding, right? Where parallelism is critical to scaling a network. See Ethereum 2.0, for example. All these paratime execution environments utilize T's or trusted execution environments where encrypted data goes in 
Smart contract execution occurs inside the closed environment and then encrypted results come out. So it's like a black box. This is the foundation of built-in privacy features for Oasis. And that is what allows private smart contracts to process sensitive information in dApps on the Oasis network, which is something that you don't see in very many places these days. These environments can also be used and customized to use the Ethereum virtual machine, the WebAssembly framework, and others, opening up a lot of options for developers. Now, in addition to that, Oasis also offers the Parcel SDK, which provides sort of a, a set of easy-to-use tools to enable developers to establish data governance processes within their applications. So with Parcel, you have the tools at your disposal to establish data privacy at the center of your application, providing tools for data storage, access control policies, and append-only logs that clearly show access history for a given set of data. Now, these tools are accessible through their REST API after registration and configuration through the developer portal. And of course, optionally, users can create accounts and control access to their data. So all in all, Parcel makes it easy to integrate data privacy and governance tools into your applications, particularly for JavaScript and TypeScript applications with the API wrapper that they provide. Of course, makes it way easier to utilize these tools. Tools have to be easy to use or they won't get used. So for developers that might want to try Oasis, there is a $1.5 million grants program, which offers both specific project bounties and open-ended grants for new things that leverage Parcel SDK and the Oasis Ethereum paradigm, where you can, of course, use the Ethereum virtual machine and Solidity tools that you're already used to. So I will leave a link down below to both the grant program and the developer portal and you can find a plethora of information about how to get started. Now, folks, I wanted to take a pause here to give you a brief message from the sponsor of Crypto Over Coffee, Ledin. Please, please, please do use the link down in the description below to check out Ledin's amazing platform where you can uh, earn amazing interest on Bitcoin and USDC stablecoins, so on and so forth. They're an amazing team. Please check them out. Now, as folks might already know, I work with the Icon Plus team, a P-Rep in the Icon ecosystem, to bring the latest news and Icon updates. And in the process, we donate to charities monthly. So if you have a charity that you want us to check out and donate to, please leave a comment below. Now, I've talked quite a bit about Balanced, a DeFi powerhouse in the Icon ecosystem, and it's been helping ICX holders earn pretty mad yields. But there is another project on Icon that I think is pretty darn cool, and that is OMM. Like Balanced, OMM is a DeFi centerpiece in the Icon world, but rather than modeling itself after a mix of sort of Maker and Uniswap like Balanced is, OMM is a lot more like Compound or Aave in the Ethereum ecosystem. Users supply assets to the platform and others can borrow those assets for a rate of interest. Of course, then loans can also be taken out in the system, rounding out the lending ecosystem, right? It's really a system for DeFi lending at its core. And what's so powerful about this is that protocols like this are base layers for a lot of other DeFi applications. And the composable nature of DeFi brings out even more power as multiple applications are used together. Now, here's the biggest power play in OMM. It allows you to connect your bank account to the protocol to bring fiat currency in as a stablecoin, USDB or bridge USD then that USD stablecoin can be used on the platform at will. And of course, this does work in reverse by depositing crypto assets, taking stablecoin loans against them that you can use to pay bills or what have you, IRL. I mean, this is a pretty awesome thing and fairly unique in the world of DeFi. Now, next up, folks, is today's game of fact or FUD, where I take a no good, very bad piece of news and tell you whether it is fact or simply fear, uncertainty, and doubt. 
Today's Factor Flood firestorm is centered around Binance and the reported investigation that they are going to be under or are under by the Justice Department and IRS in the United States. Um, first of all, I'm not sure that the IRS conducts these types of investigations, but I might be wrong. News broke this week about Binance, arguably the biggest and most powerful crypto exchange globally, and how they are purportedly being investigated for basically criminal use broadly. Of course, I've not been able to find a definitive source that proves one way or another that this is actually happening and that an, an investigation is being conducted. So I'm not really surprised, though, because it would be a secret until it were brought to the public with purpose. But anyways, that being said, let's think critically about this. Should people be panicking about this news? Is the market melting fear about this event actually warranted? And that, folks, is the question. Is that fact or FUD? Should we be fearing this whole thing? Does Binance's reported investigation spell doom for crypto? Here's my take. Even if Binance were under investigation for allowing illicit activity on their platform, which is abundantly possible, then it would likely end in Binance seeing some kind of consequences. But more importantly, it would result in Binance implementing further controls, technologically of course, to show that they are doing their best to prevent illicit activity like moving crypto for ransomware people, for example. And of course, they're not doing this with purpose, but their platform is used for it. Anyways, you get the idea. Now, if Binance could shed their reputation and whether it's true or not is up for debate, right? I'm not saying they are, but there is reports that People think that they are the main source of illicit activity in the crypto world. If they change that, you know, sort of reputation, regulators would probably soften their approach to crypto. So even in the worst case scenario, Binance is blocked from the US, right? Altogether. That's already happened before and everything was totally fine. So why worry about it? I do understand why people are fearful of any regulatory or legal movement in crypto, but this one is being overblown in my opinion. This is FUD. A Binance investigation that has not even yet been confirmed officially is not the end of the world. And even if there is one, it still likely does not have long-standing effects on the cryptocurrency world broadly, in my humble opinion. Now, the last thing I wanted to mention, folks, is that right now in the crypto space, there is this constant fear of whether or not we are at the end of the bull run. There's this constant fear about whether we're going to have a long-term bear market like we did before. And I want to address this in this episode for anyone who's watching to this point, so I really appreciate it if you are. The truth of the matter is, is that while no one can ever predict for you when the end of the bull market is, where the top is, to assume that there will not be a bear market is the most dangerous assumption that you can make. It means that you would avoid taking profits. It means that you would say it's going to continue to go up so I don't need to have a plan. I don't need to have a strategy. And I don't say this to be sort of uh, to pontificate about why you should or should not have a plan. I'm just trying to put this out there so that people who might not have been through previous bull and bear cycles like I have, like many people have, I want to share that experience with you so that you can avoid the pitfalls of inevitably holding into a bear market. The truth of the matter is we don't know which way this is going to go, but it is very likely that we will have some kind of bear market, whether long or short, whether extreme or minor. And so you want to make sure that you have a plan in place to take profits, that you have a plan in place to mitigate your own risk so that you can actually benefit from all the amazing innovation that's happening in this space. If you're in it long term, I'm I'm happy, right? That That is a a positive thing, I think, because this technology is not going away. But of course, it doesn't necessarily mean that you don't want to cap some profits. So just focus on that idea. Don't really worry so much about 
you know, oh, well, if it goes up another 10%, I'm going to miss out on gains. That's part of life, right? That's part of the game. And you might miss out on gains, but when you cap profits, when that bear market comes, when those big pullbacks come, when Elon Musk tweets, you've got money on the sidelines to reinvest if you want. So I wanted to part with those words because I think people are really, really stressed about this right now. And I totally understand where people are coming from. They just want to know that they're 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 going to be prepared for whatever happens so if you ever have any questions feel free to reach out to me i'm really active on twitter at hashoshi4 that's my only legit twitter so if you have questions please ask me there i try to respond to as many people as i possibly can and uh, same in the comments below thank you guys so much for watching crypto over coffee if you have some time to stick around please do check out the video i did with anthony Zhang, one of my friends who runs the VinoVest system or service that helps you invest your capital into fine wines, which is sort of just another asset class that insulates you from inflation and other things. So, you know, take a look. If it's for you, fantastic. If it's not, no worries. There's no pressure. But thank you so much for watching Crypto Over Coffee. I hope you and your family have a restful weekend and week ahead. And until next time, cheers. 